This podcast is brought to you by Long Brunch Lines in the Rain. Long Brunch Lines in the Rain. What white people will do for brunch. We'll do a lot because... We'll do a lot. <laughs> uh, I power Ali Nobo Piva here. We're outside a hot supper in Portland, Maine. In our car. Hour and a half wait. Perfect time to record a podcast. Hell yeah. You are now We've been up in Maine the last couple of days. Um, pretty much been buzzed the whole time. Yeah. Since before we even checked into the hotel. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't check into the hotel until, what, three? It's like, what the hell are you supposed to do all day? You're not going to leave. Like, we're not going to sit at our house and wait so we can drive three hours and go straight to the hotel. No. That's what we're I used gonna... to do with my parents. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too. It's fine. The other, The other thing is, like, when you're younger, like... Kids take a long time to get ready, you know. Now it's just like we both get up and we go. And we're we're functioning adults so we can do that. Whereas if we had to take care of a, a little human being, that would be yeah, a lot harder. You want as little obstacles as possible for the little guy. So Yeah. Um yeah, we've hit up we hit up like six breweries. We ate at a lot of fire restaurants. Yeah. Anybody that hasn't been to Portland, there's like a few must go to's. So, hot supper's one. That's why we're waiting an hour and a half to fucking yeah. eat. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it sucks because it's a tourist trap, but it's also really good. And I, I don't know, every time I've been there, I really like my waitresses and things like that. And those are things that make you want to come back. We went to this place called Tommaso's the last two days, actually. Yeah. And um, we were sitting at the bar, sitting at a bar, sitting at a bar. I know. First time in seven months or I whatever. I cried. And we were talking to these girls, and they said that, you know, Hot Supper is kind of the tourist spot, but there was another place called Porthole that we should try. So we went there yesterday. Best Bloody Mary fucking ever. I never drink an entire Bloody Mary. Never. Never, never, never. It's always too full, like, filling for me. That Bloody Mary was so good. It had a piece of bacon in it, covered in black pepper. I don't even know what was going on. And then... They gave me the most delicious eggs benedict. Like, I don't even... Perfect eggs, perfect sauce, perfect biscuits. Freaking everything there was just delicious. And no one was there because no one knows about it except the locals. So, yeah. And it's right on the water. Reminds me of New Bedford for sure. Yeah. So, hit up Porthole. Also, yeah, so Honey Paw Slaps. They got some crazy we went to Asian Eventide. Infu- Eventide is kind of... I mean, we had oysters there, and it was amazing. But... I wouldn't get the rest I of the wouldn't, stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't get the rest of the stuff. Just get oysters. Yeah, just get oysters and then go to another restaurant right next door to just do a slap in the face to them. It's just, like, so wacky, though, like... Because we usually just come out here to eat and drink, and, like, every single establishment has their own shit going on. Like, yep. so... Different rules, one person orders for the squad, like, 
Everybody's very good about wearing their masks up here, actually. Even outside, it's kind of uncomfortable because I'm, I'm not usually a mask wearer outside, but, you know, I don't want to be the dickhead that doesn't, so. Well, when you're walking by in. crowds of people, just put it on. I wouldn't even say there's a lot of crowds, though. I mean, Well, yesterday city, there but... was. <laughs> there's like a bunch of homeless people that just keep standing right outside our car. Um, <laughs> yeah, because we're doing a podcast. I was in telling... our... We said we're doing it in my car, right? Yeah. Yes. We're in the whip. What the fuck? Yeah, this lady is locked. <laughs> I'm just trying not to look. Okay. She's gone. No, she's not gone. She's still there. What the fuck? What are those? Oh my god. She's wearing like hospital socks with slippers. What the fuck? Don't make fun of homeless people, listeners. Don't do it. Yeah, it was you. Um, Sorry, I'm a terrible person. We I spent like... Back. We spent like... Because we were so stoked to sit at a bar. We spent probably like four hours at Tommaso's in one day. Yeah, no. I think Tommaso's is my favorite place now just because it's not like a touristy place. It's a dive bar. But the reason we figured out what it was was because last time we were here in January... Uh, we were standing outside in line for Honeypaw, and it was like a two-hour wait. They gave us the buzzer, and they were like, oh, you can go to Tommaso's. You can go from here to Tommaso's. And I was like, sick. Let's go in there. We went in there. It was packed because this was back in the day where you could just stuff people into a bar like sardines, and they could just stand around. Nowadays, you can't do that, but they have outdoor seating, indoor seating, everything. Last night, I was kind of pushed to my limit for, like, how willing I'm going to be to eat outside. It was like 45 degrees and windy last night and the heat lamps, they are, they are right. But oh, I liked them. I was sitting closer to it though. It's going to be a tough winter for the restaurant industry, man, because I don't know how many people are actually going to be willing to do that. Like, like in New Bedford, there's probably very few establishments that I'd be willing to sit outside in the cold to eat at. Like at least in Portland, like the food slaps so hard that people will do pretty much anything to be able to well, it depends where, where you're sitting outside. If it's like a covered area that can block the wind, because the wind is the biggest thing. If you're sitting there and you have a heat lamp next to you, that's fine. Like, you feel fine. You Like, it'll feel like a room, basically sitting in a room, because that's what those things are for. But as soon as the wind blows by, it's like a it's thousand rough. times worse. It's rough. So, when we were uh, one other thing about Tommaso is when we were there, uh, we saw Dak Prescott break his leg. Oh, great. And I think everybody, like, remembers where they were when certain things happened. That'll be one that I just never forget. So prayers to Dak Prescott, man. Tomasco's is awesome. <laughs> I keep saying Tomasco's like Tabasco. It's Tomaso's, like T-O-M-A-S-O. Apostrophe S. Sorry, apostrophe S. You're like Dave Portnoy. Dang, we're in, like, homeless city right now. I'm, yeah. like, kind of scared. We're watching some shit right now. Maybe I should bring my backpack in when we go to the restaurant. No, no, I don't think. That yeah. guy has enough stuff. <laughs> that guy doesn't need any more stuff. Yeah, that shit's wacky. So, yeah, Hallie's got some time off. I start work next week, so we were originally supposed to be in Colorado right now, but kind of just spur of the moment decided to come out here because traveling's still a little sketchy, and you can get a rain check on your travel plans. Yep. And I could only imagine flying halfway across the country to go through the same bullshit COVID protocols. So, kind of stoked that hopefully next year it'll be, it'll be like... Normal. normal. Hopefully. I don't think it'll be normal. I don't know. I'm in my notes section looking, and there's this shit that says garlic in my sock. Why is that there? Oh, that's because, okay, the the two girls at the bar at Tommaso's were saying that when you're sick, if you put garlic in your sock, it'll suck out all the toxins. 
I gu- I'm guessing that's why you wrote it down probably when you were drunk. Yeah. That's hilarious. But I also, I asked them if that would be a hangover cure, and they were like, I don't know, I guess so, because it's toxins. You, I don't know, maybe I'll try it. They said you wake up with garlic breath, though, because it goes all through your system. Hmm. Huh. That's the guy that was intensely playing the violin five minutes ago. Poor guy. That he looks like Larry. <laughs> I don't know, Larry doesn't rock a trench coat. That guy's like if this, Larry rocked a trench coat, I don't know. That would be Larry. I would imagine, and played the violin. Imagine Larry playing the violin. So I came up with this subject last week. I was watching a documentary He's on HBO. Back. It was called uh, Wild Card. Allie knows. My Instagram followers actually know this too. I fucking love calling into sports radio. I can listen to sports radio all day. It's part of the reason why. I'm probably an unproductive shitbag at work sometimes because I just get so locked in to listen to the sports radio stories. And quite frankly, I care more about sports than I care about most other things in life. It's true. So I'm going to talk about uh, this guy named Craig Carton. Carton? Yep. Like Egg Carton. Yeah, like Egg Carton. Not Egg Carton. Craig 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 Carton. Carton. (laughs) He was like a very loudmouth radio personality in New York. He was on a show with Boomer Esiason. Who's that? Boomer Esiason was a NFL quarterback back in the day. And basically they had a radio show for 10 years going on. Craig Carton was like a loudmouth kind of character. So I'll give you like a little bit of a backstory about him. He's always been referred to as the shock jock. Where he's basically happy to portray himself as an asshole. People either love him or they hate him. Kind of like Michael Felder. He reminded me of Michael Felger. That's why I was like, damn, this is kind of dope. Fuck that guy. I love Felger. Like, for example, Craig Carton was so ridiculous that one time he walked over the Brooklyn Bridge in a Speedo with a sausage in his pants. Wait, why? Just just to do it. Just to be ridiculous? Yeah. Interestingly enough, one of Craig Carton's friends, which probably why he's a dirtbag, is Chris Christie. That really fat New Jersey governor that shut down the state beaches. That's his best friend? No, that's one of his friends, though. He's known him for years. Wow. Chris Christie, side story. This guy shut down all the beaches in New Wait, Jersey. Pause. That guy has a huge rip in his ass. <laughs> Sorry. Chris Christie shut down all of the beaches in New Jersey just to go to the beach by himself. Kind of like that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where the weatherman wants to go golf. He says that it's going to rain every day. And then Larry catches him on the golf course. Like, what a fucking prick. Um, yeah, so even though Craig Carton was like this ridiculous guy on the air, he would say all kinds of crazy shit. Um, off the air, he was the nicest guy. Uh, people would describe him as kind, generous, charitable. He had a compassion for working with misunderstood kids. Uh, he would throw summer camps. Aww. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. One of Boomer's quotes was, he had the world by the balls. He was just, he was a good dude. Stop looking at my notes. This is a surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell the fucking story. I, I don't know where to look. Where do I look? We're in a car. Yeah. Look at the homeless people. So, uh... Hi, Jerry. So, long story short, the documentary kind of opens up. Craig Carton's in jail. So, Craig Carton... Wait, 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 Sorry. So, the documentary wait, wait. opens up. Craig Carton's in jail. Like, Craig Carton fucked up really bad. I'm going to explain basically how he lost the number one sports talk radio show in America. Okay. Shit. Um, I feel bad for him because apparently he uh, donates to charities. Right. So he went to jail in June of 2019. He was in Pennsylvania in a 7x7 cubicle. Uh, In his prison notes, he said that, like, 
He had lunch at 10 and dinner at 3. Everything was with rice and beans. One wrong move, you're in solitary confinement. And his biggest fear in life was prison. Which is crazy how he got there. Um, he grew up like a very normal life. Middle class, middle child. Um, That's me. Yeah. Hey. So he um, played a lot of cards as a kid. Like that was one of his first loves. And he called his video game um, a living room casino at, at middle school. And he would take kids... His video game? Like, he, he had, like, a poker video game. Oh, okay. And basically, uh, he ran a living room casino in middle school. Um, he took a kid's bike as, a, as winnings one time, and the kid's dad, like, knocked on the door. He was like, hey, Craig has my kid's bike. And they're like, no, he doesn't. Why is he that? And, yeah, he got bought for having a living room casino as a kid. Oddly enough, I actually had, like, a poker fallout with a friend in fourth grade. A poker fallout with a friend in fourth grade. Yeah, we were playing poker. See, this is why I don't want you gambling. And uh, I took all his money, and then he flipped the table and tried to take all the change, and I ended up whooping his ass. Just kidding. Sorry, man. Didn't mean it. But, uh... So fuck. Okay. So, yeah. He was the morning... He was a morning guy in 1999 and loved being the second guy. Um, one Monday morning, he went to the host chair and started a hateful relationship, um, with, like, Wait, what, I'm with, sorry, what? I'm saying, like, in, uh... In jail? Yeah. No, 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 like, before he got on to the show with Boomer. Like, oh, his early okay, radio career. Okay. I didn't describe that very well. Yeah, no, you didn't. Well, actually, one of the things that I put in notes here, too, is he lived a life of secrets and lying as a kid, and basically was able to do it ever since. That's why he was really good at poker. I guess he had a good poker face, but... Nice. So yeah, he became a he became a radio guy in 2002 in New Jersey during the afternoon drive. Um, but would his outrageousness hurt his chances at getting big? No. Don Imus, do you know who Don Imus is? No. Don Imus called Rutgers women's basketball players nappy-headed hoes. What? Yeah, he was like this racist guy. This was like a long time ago. It's like it's a very what? infamous thing, like. The most racist shit you could say, yeah. So we called the Rutgers women's basketball players nappy-headed hoes, and it changed Craig's life. While he was on his show? No, Craig oh. took his job. Oh. So that's how he was able to kind of level up, right? So basically, he had a very short lease on the radio. He got the best job, and Boomer Esiason wanted nothing to do with Craig. Till one day, they met at a diner, and Boomer said, let it rip, and let's see what happens. What Craig was able to do... To like really turn the show into like an interesting show was he humanized Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason was like a very famous quarterback. He's on CBS every Sunday morning, like providing his intel. Like, and Boomer basically bought into the vision of being ridiculous, and that's kind of how they really like ended up doing well. So it cuts back into jail, and Craig's talking about how. A year ago, he was organizing a charity softball game at Yankee Stadium, and then this year he was playing for a prison softball team called the Yankees. Oh my god! So yeah, his life was fucked. So basically, um, this is where it kind of gets into like the theme of like the show. So basically, gambling was a huge part of the show and a huge part of Craig's life. Stop looking at my notes. I'm not reading it. Okay. I'm just. I don't have anything oh. to look at. So I'm just. <laughs> what the fuck else am I supposed to look at? I don't know. I'm just trying to focus. Sorry. So gambling was a huge part if of the show. If I look show. anywhere else, I'm not going to be able to listen. All right. So gambling was a huge part of the show and a huge part of Craig's life. He loved the action and the energy, and he was always a good card player. 
Um, later in life, he became a sports better, but he always stuck to blackjack. His biggest wager was a thousand bucks. So then, basically, in 2013, 2014, he got really started with betting, and he, he was arrogant. He compared himself to Tiger and Michael Jordan when it came to blackjack. Nothing else mattered. So every year, Boomer and Craig did a show at the Borgata, the Borgata Hotel in Atlantic City. Mm -hmm. And every year, people would come to see the show live. Like That'd kind of be like Felger and Maz doing a show at a restaurant. Yep. There was 100 people there, right? That's it? There's usually like 100 people there every year. That go to see him, yeah. Okay. Because um, it's like a morning show, six in the morning. Like. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he brought up on air the day before that if Boomer gave him $10,000, he could turn it into 25 k And he was like super cocky about it and kept bringing it up on the show. And Boomer came in with a $10,000 cash. Listeners were calling them in on the show all day saying, yeah, he's full of it, he's full of it. The next day, they go to the Borgata to record their episode and there's like over 1,000 people there. And Craig pulls out a bag and takes 80000 cash out of the bag. So that was basically the coolest thing that could have happened on air, but the worst thing that could have happened to him, because basically he became what they called him as the Blackjack Whisperer, right? So now, this is where it gets crazy. Callers were calling in and being like, hey, let me give Craig ten grand." And Wait, he took 8000 out of the bag? He took eighty k. Like, oh, you said eight k. No, I said eighty. Okay. Um, I was like, that means he lost money. No. Okay, go so ahead. So he won 80K. So oh. then... Shit. So people were like, uncomfortable. Okay. So people were like, yeah, let me give Craig 10 grand. And he kept getting <clears throat> approached. People heard, People had heard about that bet, and they wanted to basically get him into their business. So they'd be like, yo, I'll give you $100,000. Give me $110,000 next month. Mm -hmm. And once people started giving him money on a regular basis, he was all in. Four individuals, and two of which he had never met, had given him a million dollars. Oh, my God. Like, so literally, he would meet people on street corners in New York City, and they'd give him a backpack with a million dollars cash in it, right? So, mind That's you... That's so dangerous. What the hell? I know. And the worst part is, you lose the money, you gotta pay the investors back. Like, mm -hmm. it's fucked. Think about it. He's the biggest radio personality in New York, and then he's walking through the street with a million dollars on his back. Mm -hmm. And, like, meeting up with people. He was doing the re morning recording show. I think I have it later in the notes, but just in case I forget to tell this part of the story, like, he had the morning radio show, so... He would get on a helicopter, because he was such a profound gambler there, get to Atlantic City, um, or actually, he would get on a helicopter sometimes, I'm sorry. He would drive two and a half hours from New York City to Atlantic City, so he'd leave his apartment at midnight with his wife and kids, get to the casino at 2.30 in the morning, bet for an hour, drive two and a half hours back straight to the radio studio, and start a 6 a.m. radio show for the oh biggest God. show in the country. Like, this guy was fucking nuts. And he came with the craziest energy, and he was so stressed out, and nobody could fucking tell. That's coke for you. Um, so, it's funny that you say that, because the <laughs> next thing I had in here said, Blackjack is like cocaine. You have to keep doing it to feel the rush. That's what he said. Oh. Um, he all, pro definitely, probably also did cocaine. I would, I would bet so, yeah. So, um, everyone knew that he gambled, but nobody really knew the amounts. Um, one um, time he well, won... Well, now we do. Yeah. So... <laughs> One time he won $325,000 in nine minutes. So he would bet fifteen k every hand and then walked out the door to go to work after. Um, he would reach out to investors. He would get fronted money via a wire. What is this guy doing? He's taking the quarters. Okay. Um, 
How, how long do we have left on the meeting? I'm in the car, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you'd reach out to investors, he was fronted money via a wire, and then we'd go right to work after. Uh, late night gambling, and nobody ever knew. So we'd take helicopters. One time he had 600 grand wired on his behalf. Like, fucking crazy. He didn't realize he was an addict. Always said uh, as long as his radio show was good, it didn't matter what he did outside of work. Oh my god. Well, he started it in work, though. He started at work. <laughs> Well, he started as a kid when he was running the gambling things in his parents' house, like as a middle schooler, taking kids' bikes. But yeah, gambling aside, he was always in other businesses. So he had cologne deals, side endorsements. He had something called Junk Bomb, which is deodorant for your balls, which is hilarious. That's actually, I feel like a lot of people need that, actually. Why, you've smelled a lot of balls? <laughs> My balls smell. You're inappropriate. <laughs> you fucking said a lot of people need it. Like, how many sets of testes have you sniffed? Like, no, like, no. <laughs> not, up, not up front, but I feel like, I don't know, like, like men's, like, locker rooms and shit like that, like, they smell terrible. It's not your regular sweat. It's, it's like, 90% your ball sweat. So. I don't know if it smells like balls, though. I feel <clears throat> like it just smells like B.O. I don't know. When you guys also always touch your balls and then touch everything, so I feel like you should have I, I mean you guys by like men in general just always touching their balls <laughs> so anyway, might, well, might as well have it smell good so then when you touch everything else in the house sick so another thing they described this guy as is a serial entrepreneur yeah, basically it was never enough to just talk on the radio he wanted to make 20 million dollars a year he wanted to send his kids to private school he wanted the penthouse he wanted the driver so in May of... A driver? Like, like a golf club? Like a club? private driver. Oh, okay. Oh I thought God. you meant like a golf club. I was like, he can definitely fucking afford a golf Stop club. Stop reading my notes! Stop <laughs> <laughs> fucking looking at I wasn't reading your notes. I was listening to you and I was looking at the screen. Oh, so driver... Uh. Okay. Okay, how do you spell driver as, as in a golf club driver? The same thing. Okay, then... <laughs> what are you getting so mad Why are you talking about spelling? Did you read it in my no, notes? No, I didn't read it, but you're accusing me of reading your notes. Even though you said it out loud. Just ruining the fucking surprise, A guys. driver? Like a golf... Stop reading my notes! You just said it, Ian. I want to send my kids to private school. I want a penthouse. And I want a driver for a golf club. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I don't know. You talk about it all the time. That's where my head went to. All right, all right, fine. Damn, I took a lot of notes. So mind you, I took, I, wanna... I took all of these notes while watching the documentary. Yeah, I can tell because you're saying what the documentary was. Well, it's an interesting the story. The documentary opens with this guy in jail. Jesus, Ethan. <laughs> Nothing in the imagination. I didn't even know he was in jail. Alright. Alright. So this is what kind of got him fucking in trouble. In May of 2016, he started a business called Tier 1 Tickets, which was a concert ticket reseller. 2016? Yeah. <clears throat> it was a concert ticket reseller uh, with a guy named Joe Melly. He was a con man, and he was the smartest man he was ever met, but everybody in the reselling business kind of seemed scummy. So as they started to acquire tickets, he reached out to a hedge fund manager to be able to acquire more tickets. So basically, they wanted to... He needed more money into the business for capital so he could buy more tickets. Yeah. Basically, he was given $2 million to acquire tickets. He took 950000 of that and used it to gamble. 
and basically started talking more and more about gambling on the air. He won $2 million, and Bowman was like, yo, put a million dollars away. He had no idea where he got the money from and how much of it. He talked about it in his book. I guess he had a book. Nobody at the, nobody at the station had any idea. At his peak gambling, he was wagering $125,000 just to start, like per hand. Winning and losing obscene amounts of money and wanted to keep playing. His worst story was an investor gave him $500,000 and expected a 10% return, so they wanted $550,000. The rest he could keep. He fell asleep at the table in the middle of a hand, woke up and said hit. The first 12 hours, he had $550,000 and over $1.5 million in profit. And that day, he ended up walking out with nothing. He lost it all gambling, lost or did all. someone rob no, him like, while he no, was asleep? No, he was like at the table. He got all the way up to, to two over $2 million, and then he lost all of it. So basically, he was at the table for 24 hours straight. He took a personal loan to pay back an investor. Basically, at that point, there had become no emotion to winning or losing for him. He got so established, he gambled alone. He wanted to hide and have privacy. In gambling, they care more about the flow than the actual winning or losing. So the only thing he found in life was the... It was the only thing that he found in life that was the speed of his brain. Because he was, like, so high energy, like, if you saw this guy. So he had three tables reserved and made everybody shuffle all the cards before he even started his colleagues felt like enablers because one day Craig's wife asked people to stop going to the casino with him. Chris Christie even called out his gambling addiction, hiding the gambling and then it started lying about everything. So he went from placing all these giant-ass bets to um, making $5 per month as a prison tutor. He said that stamps and packs of mackerel... A month? Yeah, $5 a month to be a prison tutor. Stamps and packs of mackerel with a real currency in prison. Visiting day was the best and the worst day of the week because he loves visits, but it's tough when they leave. The reason why he blames doing all of this kind of shit was he was molested at a summer camp and oh felt ashamed and haunted. God. So he said that he was molested every day for eight weeks and he never coped with those demons, and that's what basically allowed him to be so <gasps> good at lying. Yeah. So he wrote a chapter in his book called Loudmouth, and he was told that he shouldn't put it in the book. The rest of the book was funny, so the editor wanted him to take it out, so he never got to actually come forward and tell his story until this documentary. He said the worst moment of him not coming forward and talk about it was Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky, and basically everybody on the show was talking about how they had never seen him react so viciously to something. The worst moment? Like when Jerry Sandusky like, molested all those kids at freaking uh, Penn State. And Joe Paterno oversaw the whole thing and basically allowed it to happen. So he was all fired up on the air and shit. And so, so yeah, that's basically what he blamed for it. So with these gambling, if you lose, you got to pay back with interest. So in 2017, he was a net loser of a couple million dollars and he had borrowed over $30 million to gamble. That's the part that blows my mind. It's just like, how did this guy go to work? He borrowed $30 million, and then he just has the largest radio show in America for sports. Like, I know. I mean, that, I mean, I guess it's it's an addiction, obviously. You just want more and more and more and more. But it's like, you could literally just do your show once a day, mm-hmm. and you'll be making tons of money. That's enough. That's probably mm-hmm. enough money. The most famous talk show in the morning, that's probably enough money to send your kid to private school and have all that stuff. I know. So, he's a master of disguise and he basically self-sabotaged him. So, 
Uh, so he met at a restaurant with a gentleman, and basically it made no sense to a financial advisor. They said something bad's going on. He shouldn't get into this ticket business. And the guy he partnered with in the ticket business was arrested by the FBI. So because his partner was arrested, they started looking into Craig Carton. Mm -hmm. And they arrested him for defrauding a hedge fund, um, like the money, that $2 million that he got. Mm -hmm. He was repaying sports bets, and he basically misappropriated the money. So he spent it five weeks too early. He still bought $2 million of tickets, but the timing was off. And basically, that's why he was arrested. So then the documentary cuts back to a part in Whistler, British Columbia. He had a couple drinks and he went at the top of this mountain and he went back down to go see his wife. And then as he was on his way down, he had desire to jump off the chairlift. So he called his buddy. He lifted the bar and he got inches closer to the edge of the seat and started crying as he called uh, Sherrod Williams, one of his best friends, and said he's about to hurt himself. Talk to me. And five seconds between... It took five seconds between Sherrod and him thinking he was kidding to keeping it real. He talked to him and he was like, listen, I love you. You're going to get to the bottom. And as he got to the bottom, he said, go fuck yourself. I'll talk to you later. Like, that's the kind of guy he was. He was nuts. One month later, he got up at 4 a.m. He was going to work. It was the first night in his new apartment. And a woman comes up and says, Craig Carton. She goes, he goes, yeah. She goes, FBI, you're under arrest. So they handcuffed him to a park bench mind you it's 4 a.m. and he's in the middle of New York City handcuffed to a park bench so it's still too early for people to see him though mm-hmm. um, there's it, still people out there's yeah. always people out in New York it's crazy too like they brought him to uh, like the plaza or whatever and they referred to him as a criminal as the first time but basically the FBI agent said he was a big fan of him oh. right so, um, he had a radio show that morning at 6 a.m. and he wasn't there. So, Boomer goes, yeah, numbnuts is under the weather. And then the news basically breaks at 7 o'clock in the morning that he was not under the weather. He was arrested. So then, um, Boomer was angry, shocked, brokenhearted. Um, yeah, Craig was arrested for security fraud, wire fraud, and conspiracy. The courtroom was packed by all media. The judge made a wise crack about all of them being sports fans. And he knew right away he was screwed job-wise. Show was over. Uh, for 10 years, they were brothers in arms. They never fought. Boomer found out the way the public did, and it took him a while to talk to Craig about that. Wow. Didn't want to know. Didn't want to become embroiled with it. Um, then Craig was like, hey, you don't have my back. Sent an email to Boomer, blah, blah, blah. They're all pissed. And so Craig was sentenced to three and a half years in jail. And $4.3 million in restitution. And he got out in just over a year because of his good behavior. So basically now he's starting over at age 51. His wife and his four kids never left him. He called Boomer... Four kids? Yeah. Four sons. He called Boomer 27 minutes after he left jail. And it's the closest they've been in a long time. They apologized. He said, I'm a lousy businessman and I'm good at hosting a radio show. So Craig actually negotiated a radio comeback. And vows to be as outrageous as ever on the air. They haven't announced what what the show is yet. So he's coming back. When did he get out of jail? Uh, If he went in in June uh, of last year, he just got out like, uh, like in July of this year. Oh shit! So now he's gonna have a new radio show. Happy ending. Yeah, but oh man, what a crazy life. Yeah. Fuck. So yeah. So if you think my gambling's ever crazy, well, no, I never want it to get that way. So that's why even. 
even stupid things, you're like, oh, I'm gonna go bet on this fight. I'm like, you literally never watch fighting. Why are you gonna bet on fighting? Oh, I'm getting out to pay the meter? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm giving you money for it. Do they take dimes and shit? That's your tip. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Do they take dimes? No, it's a freaking... Well, I remember I remember paying dimes at a fucking parking meter up the, up the road. Oh, really? I don't know, dude. I'm looking for a dime. That's top of the line. Someone from Foxborough is calling me. Maybe it's Tom Brady. He's calling to tell me he's back. I'm back, bitches. You're back. Okay. So Ethan's just paying the meter. Um, this is, uh, we didn't actually really get to say it, but like this is the start of season two. Season two we're going to have, because we did like 20 episodes, you know, it's a lot. We had to take a break, you know, because I never do my research on time and whatever. Um, but this is going to be season two. We're going to have a lot more guests. We already have three guests lined up. Um, and they're going to be telling us their bar stories since you motherfuckers don't send me your bar stories. <laughs> so don't worry. We got a lot more bar stories coming for you this season. We got a lot more guests. Um, if you're a downtown rat, we only accept downtown rats, but if you're a downtown rat and want to be on the show, let us know, and let us know who you would prefer to talk with, I guess, or listen to. Like, if or you... Or, like, a subject, you saying? No, not a subject. Just be like, hey, I'm a downtown rat. I like this shit. These are the topics I'm, topics I'm interested in. I want to listen to... Allie because Ian sucks or I want to listen to Ian because Allie sucks and uh, maybe I'll even sing for you guys oh my god oh my god oh my god that lady's Holy going shit. backwards, backwards in, in a, a wheelchair. wheelchair holy fuck oh my god with an umbrella Michael Jackson Michael Jackson -ing it <laughs> in a wheelchair Oh my god, is Holy she coming back? Fuck, dude. Oh my god, everyone. Uh oh. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. This is a crazy house. Oh, she's still going. Oh, backwards. that guy almost just got hit. She's still going backwards. Is it a dude? Or I can't see because it's raining so hard. I'm seeing the car almost just got hit taking that left turn. That was fucked. Woof. Dude, he's still going backwards. <laughs> I wish it wasn't raining so you could take a picture for the, the cover of the podcast this week holy shit if this sound quality is really good then we're gonna just do all of our podcasts in the car but the winter's coming up so i'm not trying to record in a fucking cold car that's what why cars have heat mocha joe this is cold coffee is it almost time not even close damn it well i told them the spiel about season two yeah i appreciate that yeah I like keeping our podcast short because then people, like, I have podcasts that I listen to that sometimes get to, like, an hour and a half long, and I'm like, I can't, like, I can't physically pay can't attention this to anymore. this. Because I get up at work, like, at work, I have, like, meetings, and I have shit to do, whatever. I can't, like, get up, like, up and down, up and down, up and down, like, ten times through a podcast. I'm no longer interested, you know? Correct. So, so keep it nice and short. So, we'll keep it short and sweet, and we'll go right into a local banger, so... What do you guys want to listen to? Oh, wait. This isn't Dora. <laughs> Bitches. You listen to what we want you to listen to. So since it's season two, we're going to listen to 2AM by the homie Simeon. 
Uh, new single that he just dropped about two weeks ago, I want to say. Maybe a little less, but... Yeah, 2AM by Simeon. Season 2. There's Live two of from us. Portland, in a fucking car, waiting for brunch. Ali Nobo Piva and I Power. Ian Power. Got, uh... Uh... Um... Love you guys. Uh, I'll... To keep it a buck, Benji Simba got vibes plenty. Look in your eyes, empty. Who gon' send me to the top spot? Beats on, let it vibrate. He's gone. What about pain? What if I pray to the Lord? What do I say to the gods? What do I say to my guys, my niggas? Whole lot of days ain't getting no bigger. Feel like it's time that a brother got better. Yeah, feel like it's time that a brother got better. I like to keep it a buck, Benji Simba got vibes plenty. Look in your eyes, empty. Who gon' send me to the top spot? Yeah. Niggas wasn't fucking with a vibe, but a line back then got me rolling on my own pack 10. Looking to the future, but the past been tense. Open up my mind, got a brand new lens. Couple nigga things like a brand new bands. Maybe some go to my mouth. Trip overseas just to see what it's about. They searching, I season my shit is so different. The reason I losing my mind in these visions. I'm taking my time with my business, especially cause I've been listening true. I got potential, I'm not at my limit. No cardiac glasses, the way that I'm living is simple. I'm sipping the brownness of water, got demons, I don't even bother with that. God damn it, I'm stuck in my ways, been breaking a cycle. Like breaking the chain, been writing a lot, it's been hurting my brain. A model of profit, be modest on grand. Flexing your dollars, the industry on all your commas. I'm building my stamina, mental capacity. When you be putting that work in, it's stuck coming naturally. Down to earth, calling that gravity, ayy. Yeah. So what they gonna do? Mm. Yeah, what they gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what they gonna do? Yeah. So what they gonna do? When I'm paying for the room, no, they wanna get to the bag. Really wanna live they gonna do? I like to keep it a buck, Benji, Simba got vibes plenty, look in your eyes empty, who gon' send me to the top spot, peace on, let it vibrate, peace gone, what about pain, what if I pray to the Lord, what do I say to the gods, what do I say to my guys, my niggas, whole lot of days ain't getting no bigger, feel like a time that a brother got better, yeah, feel like it's time that a brother got better, hey. I like to keep it a buck, Benji, Simba got vibes plenty, look in your eyes, empty, who gon' send me to the top spot, yeah, uh, niggas wasn't fucking with a vibe, but a line back then, got me ballin' on my own pack 10, looking to the future, but the past been tense, open up my mind, got a brand new lens, couple nigga things like a brand new Benz, maybe some gold in my mouth, trip overseas just to see what it's about, they searching, I season my shit, it's so different, the reason I'm losing my mind in these visions, I've been in the mood, it's fire, I got crack for the soul like the stove in the kitchen, I don't got no cooling, it's hot in this engine, I finna just blow on my gaskets, brittle bones get to snapping, all of that talking but never no action, breaking it down like a faction, don't gonna plug on a tool like a tight beat, shit so far man I might speak, spin up that vibe, it's a betty, I'ma hit it, plenty in my mind so I push it to the limit, don't coast when I ride by, and I really been blessed, say that man I gotta confess, at times my ego be getting the best of me, probably because I just don't know my destiny, sheesh, yeah, yeah. so what they gonna do? So what they gon' do? Really wanna live in a booth? Really wanna get to the bag? Really wanna know the truth? Yeah, really wanna know the truth? Tell me what they gon' do. Tell me what they gon' do. Tell me what they gon' do. Be simple as fuck. Be simple as fuck.